Your fever is high and the pressure to log in at work is too. But when you finally decide to take care of you, there's Instacart. Just because that one perfect coworker of yours is attending all meetings, camera on while she's sneezing, coughing, and aching, doesn't mean you have to do the same. Take it from us. Trying to stay on top of things will only get you further behind. Instead, get everything from tissues and teas to cough suppressants and comforting soups delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. If anyone needs anything, they can just redirect their questions to that one perfect coworker. Worker of yours. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns and Foster, Temper Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60 month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Hey, what's happening, everybody? Welcome in. This is it, the 18th and final episode of the Portland Winterhawks podcast. I'm your host, Andy Dur Johnson, and we're jumping right into it this week because it's not the ending to the podcast that we wanted, unfortunately, and hopefully we gave you enough time to let the wounds of the loss heal a little bit. And now let's look back on a special season, an exciting offseason, and another exciting year to come for Portland Winterhawks hockey. And joining me now, as always, is Nick Merrick, who just got a nice little vacation in for the offseason to begin. What's going on, Nick? How we doing, buddy? Andy, doing great, doing great. I know for the uh, fans who are waiting for this uh, podcast episode, you and I were kind of talking uh, you know, we're supposed to be scheduled our last week. We said, you know what, we, we this one stings a little bit more. Let's just let's hang yeah. tight. Cause last week we were supposed to be talking about, uh, you know, the, the preview for the potential, you know, Western Conference final with an opportunity to move into the WHL finals. So um, doing great over here, all things considered. Such a fantastic year for this team. I know it's going to be it's, – it's kind of hard to always put into words right after the season ends, but now that we've had a couple weeks or so now to, you know, you look back and see the success of the team and – uh, just how much this group really grew together and, and how promising the future is going to be. Obviously it was an opportunity and Mike Johnson kind of alluded to that at the end of the, uh, you know, the last game there in game seven loss. Uh, it's a missed opportunity and you don't like missing opportunities because when you get a group that's as special as this team is, you know, you, you don't want to squander it, but um, you know, and hopefully it just builds the team a little strong going into next year. And you're right. We're, you know, it's officially off season mode. I think it'll be a quick off season. There's a lot of plans <laughs> coming up. There's, you know, big things to look forward to. Neely Cup's going to come back, and we're excited to bring back fans for that um, this year after not having, uh, you know, fan attendance for the last couple of seasons. Right. And, you know, hopefully we just get right through this summer and fans enjoy a little time away from hockey. But uh, the same right, you know, we're right back at it in the fall. That's right. I know. It gets here you know, before you know it. And I think, too, letting a little bit of time pass between the end of a series, the end of a season, to then kind of recapping it, it does allow you to put things in perspective because the emotions are running high, man. I can't even imagine what it was like for the players inside the locker room, for the coaches in that moment. I mean, let, let's let's go back to that. And just from your vantage point, what did you see? Game five, game six, game seven, they just couldn't find the net. They couldn't score to high levels. Give a lot of credit to Seattle for the way that they're playing. And they've had a great conference final series so far. Just what, what did you make of the way that series ended? Uh, it hurts. It hurts. You obviously had three chances there to eliminate a rival. Um, and it kind of goes back to the, what we were talking about when the playoffs began, when you pretty much said put four teams in a hat, and those four teams would be Everett, Kamloops, Portland, and Seattle, and draw one, which 
your name, you pull out. Congratulations, that's just going to go in the, in the uh, you know, represent the Western Conference in the WHL Finals. What's happening now? Portland and Seattle went to a game seven. Now we have Seattle and Kamloops going to a game seven. So it's pretty, it's pretty interesting to see that how tight these teams are out west. Um, you know, I do think it's going to be a tough, cha- uh, you know, a tough challenge against the uh, Edmonton Oil Kings in the right. finals, but we'll see what the West uh, can do there and, and hopefully make it an interesting series and obviously maybe surprise some people. Um, but overall, in the series with Seattle, it's it's tough because I think the easy turning moment there was was when the Hawks lost Tyson Kozak. I mean, that's that's your heart and soul guy. That's yeah. one of your co-captains. He's been a key contributor. He kind of does everything. He plays top line. He can shut down the opposing's top line. He's number one power play unit. He's one of the top penalty killers on the team. He's always out there for last-minute face-offs and key moments, both in the defensive end and offensive end. So he's really like your glue. Um, and he's a guy that you you build your, you know, kind of your lineup around because of that. He's drafted by the Buffalo Sabres, and, uh, you know, now you're in that limbo period in the offseason like you do with junior hockey. Are well, the Sabres going to sign him? Obviously, he's going to be going to camp next year. He could sign next year. Uh, you know, in the fall and, and immediately jump into the AHL. He could be signing in two days. We, you know, we don't know. <laughs> right. uh, but I, I feel like losing him in that series was so massive. Because I know, I know he played game six and game seven on paper, but I think he got maybe six shifts combined between those two games. And obviously he's just an absolute warrior for going back out there and playing through some of those bad injuries. And many players are. And I know there's still, a, you know, a ton of injuries happening with Seattle and Kamloops and, Obviously, some that you kind of hear about and see in the box scores when players are scratched, but others that you don't. You know, things get kept quiet, and you just don't know until um, after the season when you start getting some, you know, texts or updates of this person's banged up or that person was banged up. Um, so obviously, it was a physical series. The team knew that, and, and it stinks because it, it was it was tough to find, you know, goal scoring in that series. It was really hard to find it. Thomas Millich was good. Seattle was playing, you know, really tight hockey. Uh, were too, but you know, they just fell like, literally one or two goals short in game five or game six to being able to move on. So, uh, you know, in those first two games, it was kind of a, a you know a puck bounce here or there that if it went their way, they would have probably moved on. Uh, but then when you get to game seven and, and Seattle came with a better team, they've always played well here at the VMC, just like the Winterhawks have always played well at the Showwear Center. And it just kind of shook up the way it did where Seattle, you know, took a massive lead and it was too much to overcome there for the Hawks. But, you know, they, they gave it a heart. They, they had a couple of uh, looking back, you know, they, there was some good push there. I think in the second period yeah. when they, when they got the one, then they almost kind of, they, I feel like they had one of the longest sustained shifts in the offensive zone I've seen all season. It was probably about three full minutes where they made two complete line changes and they still had possession of the puck, <laughs> which is almost unheard of in hockey. But then the fact that you're thinking of that kind of shows how tired both teams are because Seattle's not 100% at that point. They're, you know, they're playing banged-up hockey too. So you get a little bit of that gutty playoff-style hockey, um, and obviously you just tip your cap to Seattle. It, it stings because, you know, it's still even talking now that the wounds aren't healed on, on my end because, right. you know, it's, you, you look at the WHL box where you're looking at WHL Live and watching some games thinking, man, that, that could be this Winterhawks team right now. That could be – me on the call, like we, I could be driving to Kamloops right now, preparing for Game Seven. Um, so it's 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 still a little bit weird uh, to let it all settle in. I, honestly, it'll probably take a couple more weeks here. But I, from everything I know, I, I know all the players are going back home and and they're doing well. And, and obviously, they're taking a couple of days off from the rink as well, and just trying to get their body right and their mind right. And then obviously, you start prepping for next season. So the good news is, as hard of a series as it was, this is going to stick in everyone's 
you know, mind, and not even in the back of the mind, it'll be front of mind. When they come into the Neely Cup training camp, it's going to be a different motivation, I feel, from this crew because they don't want to have that happen again. Yeah, and it's so funny you mentioned how the bounces sometimes go your way and sometimes go against you. I mean, game one and game two, as you highlight, they get the bounces late in game one. They score the shorthanded goal in game two. And it's just that can be hockey. Sometimes they're going with you. Sometimes they're going against you. And they're a couple of plays away from winning that series in five games at home. You just run into a hot goaltender and Millich was playing great down the stretch of that series. And next thing you know, you look up Seattle's a tremendous team and they got hot at the right time and won three in a row. And they got a chance tonight, as you highlight, to to punch their ticket to a WHL final, which would be cool for them. But it's not going to lessen the sting nonetheless for Portland because you felt like you could have beaten that team. Let's talk about a couple of the 20s who played their last game and their careers are ended now. In Portland, I know they all had different paths and different careers here, but just your thoughts on watching Jaden DeRoe, Clay Hannes, and and Taylor Gauthier for for one final time. Three guys who, no matter how long they were here, had had really big impacts on this organization. No doubt, I, I love those three men. I mean, you always talk about them as a player and what they do on the ice, and um, but you know. Throughout their journeys, you get to see kind of how they grow from 15-year-olds into their 2021s, you know. So you get about five years of growth with these players, and you get to see how they mature and how their personality develops and all that. That That's what makes this journey so special. And on the ice, you know, three incredible, incredible hockey players. Two of them right now, we, we know we're going to go pro. I would very well hope that we'll have a third in Clay Hannes signing some kind of pro contract this summer. We're true leaders in the locker room. Taylor Gauthier was a player who, like you said, came to different walks of life. But yeah, he had to grow up through the Prince George Cougars organization. He knew he'd have a chance. You know, he, he kind of reflected on his last season thinking, well, you know, there's Ty Young and Tyler Brenner right behind me. Uh, he's like, I wouldn't be surprised if the team moved me. Obviously, and then they eventually did. He came to Portland, so he went to a playoff and a chance. Ender. And then just how well he meshed into this group was was unbelievable. Yeah. Um, obviously, even with the fan base, too, right? Like the Cowboy Hat idea was kind of orchestrated their parents' locker room. So he made his presence felt uh, undoubtedly so inside the locker room. His numbers speak for himself. He's <laughs> a professional contract for Portland. That's pretty much all he wants. Like he, he's, he's kind of the epitome of, of a success story and, and doing it all himself. And I think we reflected on this earlier, um, previous but in case fans missed it, I think one of the most interesting notes I heard, um, even from a hockey player in general, of, of being this candid, is was he had an alarm set every single morning that it went off when he woke up to bed and it said, work towards an NHL. Like every single morning, your alarm is going off and it says that. And that's like a reminder that pops up on his phone. And he did that. Like that's such an amazing story that he yeah. was able to just you know, put put his blood, sweat, and tears and put everything on the ice to do that. And, and just a terrific, terrific young man. And, uh, you know, I know the Winterhawks organization, as is Prince George, and many WHL fans are going to look forward to seeing his success. And then Jaden DeRoe is a player who comes in, wears his heart in his sleeve every single night, alternate captain for two years, just signed now with the Tampa Bay Lightning. So he's officially uh, going to be playing in Syracuse with their AHL affiliate next year, assuming he doesn't make the, you know, the NHL roster. Um, out of camp but the lightning are still playing so there's there's a reason for Hawks fans to kind of keep an eye on there's a you know a a team in the Eastern Conference final there in the Stanley Cup playoffs that has a little bit of a tie to the Winterhawks and of course he's no stranger there he started the season there and he played the first dozen games and you know missed I think 11 games it was before he eventually had to fly to Kamloops to meet the team and then he kind of was a part of the big reason why the team had you know a big a big turnaround they went and they won 40 games of the 47 since December 1st. 
Um, so literally one of the hottest teams in all of hockey. Uh, I don't care what level you're looking at. NHL, right. AHL, ECHL, WHL, QMJHL, you name it. Like they, they were one of the best. Um, and then Clay Honest, man, what, what a ride he's had too. come here as a 15 year old kid in Neely cup camp, loves it, signs here, gets some playoff experience and, and gets to play on the wing with, with some NHLers at the, you know, who would become NHLers that very next season when he was going into his 16 year old year, and then just quietly just bloomed, just absolutely exploded in this in this program and, and uh, just became a terrific, terrific leader, very well deserving of wearing the captain CC. And, and I, I know there's big things next for Clay. Obviously, I don't know him now is the time of us talking, but you just feel it in your bones that he's going to get something good coming his way and, and uh, another player you're going to be able to root for because he played 250-plus games with the Winterhawks and, had a, had a, you know, in the end of things, a decent amount of playoff experience. I think it ended up being uh, just under 20. I think he almost hit 20 games, um, you know, which I know the Winterhawks always always like to see those playoff performers because that shows sign of success from the team level, too, mm-hmm. if, if you get somebody who's orchestrating a lot of playoff wins. And that comes in which he didn't have two seasons to even play in the playoffs. And he had to go to Lincoln for one year. He came back even better. So it's it's uh, it's just marvelous to to see what they've been able to do and and uh, kind of overcome as well with different you know personal sides of their journey in the hockey uh, the hockey world and obviously I know of, of us talking I they're going to be the first three to say it. they wish they were still out there playing because boy that was an emotional game seven when when they came out and yeah. they were recognized those three stars and uh, that that, whew, that was kind of when I had my moment too in the broadcast booth because you just you just see it on their faces and you get a chance to get to know them for four years and five years and then obviously Taylor Gochi I knew of him for the last four years with Prince George and always knew he was a great character kid then you get to you know meet him as a young man and you're thinking oh my gosh like these guys have come such a long way um, and, and those are really special moments but I know the entire organization will be fully supported behind them. And we're just excited to see what's next in, in their hockey careers and their personal endeavors. Cause you know, once you're a winter hockey, you're always a winter hockey. That's right. I mean, you mentioned the, the three-star thing after game seven, it's such a classy thing for those 20 year olds to have that chance to skate out there one last time and appreciate the crowd. I think it's something, and I remember even talking to Taylor and, and Clay about it on the podcast. Like, does it sink in that this is it? And they, they don't want to go there mentally yet because they plan on playing for a long time. And so it probably you're planning on winning that game seven. It does, doesn't go your way. And then you're looking, looking up at the end of it like I I can't believe this is it and as you point out with Taylor's story about you know wanting that NHL contract of course that's the ultimate goal for all these guys to get to that next level but it's just amazing to think of all the players over the years that have big impacts on the community that become household names for hockey fans in this area and then getting to watch them one last time three guys that weren't all here for the same amount of time but had great careers and uh, we wish them all the best in their their future endeavors as you're highlighting and on on the the youth aspect of it I think that was one thing we talked about going into the postseason, and Portland wasn't unique to this, that a lot of their guys didn't have playoff experience. Who were the guys that stood out to you during this playoff run? Maybe they did in the regular season as well, but we're talking about the season next year. We'll be here before we know it. Who were the guys that stood out to you that you just are saying, man, I cannot wait to see what that guy's bringing back to camp next year? Ooh, that's a great question, Andy. Uh, I feel like there were different players who kind of stood up in different series. Uh, I I think Gabe Clawson was probably one of the most consistent all, all playoffs long um, when, when considering of the players who could be returning next year. I was very impressed with, with uh, how he kind of handled his first playoff experience. Ryder Thompson on the defensive side was one who stood out for me. He just mm-hmm. quietly got so much better as the year progressed. Um, just became a much more confident WHL defenseman. And, that, you know, that's something that maybe will catch some attention from some NHL scouts here in a couple of months. We'll obviously see, but, 
even if it doesn't happen this summer, he's going to have a, such a bright future ahead in Portland because, I mean, honestly, the play that he, he started from, from day one to where he ended up on game 77 or whatever it was is was marvelous. Um, so I was really impressed by Ryder Thompson's game. Kyle Chizowski was a player who came in some big moments there in the Seattle series in particular. Um, you know, I, I really enjoyed his play kind of towards the uh, the second half there of that Hawks playoff run. And, you know, a, l- a little bit of a combo that was outstanding, I thought, and, and, and didn't necessarily fly under the radar, but wasn't, you know, necessarily lighting up the stat sheet with points with Jack O'Brien and Marcus Newen. I thought those two had some unbelievable chemistry. They were playing the perfect role for that third line. They were they were throwing bodies. They were they were going hard in the four check battles. They were just really being pests, and they were playing that role so well. That's just going to kind of give them the extra energy going in the next year. And 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 they're two players who can score. They, you know, but they they just weren't called upon to do that in this series. They wanted to be more of that energizer role, and that's exactly what they brought. Um, so those are kind of five players that top of my mind really stood out and it's fun because now now you kind of play all the all right let's piece it all together what's the team going to look like next year how mm-hmm. are things going to go you know in hindsight there's a decent chance that you'll still have uh, you know Tyson Kozak and Cross Hannis at the very least here for Neely Cup so at least the fans want to see them on the ice here in the Winterhawks jersey for who knows maybe the final time um, right. you know that's a great time to come back and see them uh, otherwise they could be potential 20-year-olds coming back to the Winterhawks next year if, if uh, the, their pro organizations decide to. And they're such a good group to, to take within the next year. And the defensive side is going to be loaded. I think there's going to be some very interesting decisions there because I feel like there's about nine signed defensemen going into this <laughs> offseason, um, you know, which is hard. You're only, you're, you're only losing Clay Honest, who, who aged out. Um, so otherwise you get a whole wealth of experience back there. albeit still a little bit younger. You still have all those 17 year olds who are now just going to be 18 year olds. So they're, they're going to have two more full years at least in the WHL, if not the three full years, right. As they go into their 20 year old season. So you kind of get this nice pipeline now where you get to take all these younger guys and build them up together. Um, and then they're going to be a core here for the Hawks for the next three seasons. Yeah, that's exciting to think about where they're going to be defensively and how good that that group really kind of molded as the year went on and all those young guys having big impacts. And it, when you're in a system like this, it's amazing their ability to just kind of replace star player with star player and bring the next wave of guys up. And they've been in the postseason for a long, long time now, uh, so many years in a row for Mike Johnson. So you know they're going to be right back there next year. And speaking of the pipeline, did anything stand out to you draft-wise? I know it was hard to probably for some Hawks fans to follow because you're so you know in that pain from losing games seven but then you fast forward immediately into a draft and it's like the very next day it's like hey all right here's all these new players that portland is welcoming anything, <laughs> anything stand out to you draft wise i know it was tough with the emotions of game seven but how, what was that week like for you no a couple things stood out for sure uh yeah the team added 13 new prospects to their player pool so uh welcome members to the family now as as uh, some leave your lists like the, the way that works for fans who maybe are unaware Obviously, you get a 50-man protected list, so you get your rostered players, and then you have the extra prospects who are either signed or unsigned that you could just kind of hold on to. So when a guy like a Clay Hawkins, who just finished his 20-year-old season now moves on, it opens up a roster spot or a, or a protected list spot to be able to fill them in with. So there's kind of all those shufflings on the hockey operation side of things that obviously aren't always public and, and kind of are, are pretty day-by-day. It allows you a chance to add in the new players, and this is where the drafts come in because – uh, I think there were a couple of notables. They added two really good American-born players in the uh, WHL U.S. priority draft. 
the day after the season ended. Um, so it was pretty much, you know, you had to swallow the pill of, uh, you know, losing a game seven. And then you get a quick six hour nap, what felt like, and you're back in the office and, and getting ready for the draft. And uh, two players that go there in, in Lindbergh and core who were one and two, on the team's board going into the draft, and they got him at their pick selections there in the 20s. So, um, you know, the guys that somehow slid and, and were, were missed by others that now come to Portland, so that's kind of promising to have them in the pool. And obviously, hopefully, they'll want to become winter Hawks once they get to check out their first Neely Cup. And then the next day, and that basic and uh, the more normal WHL prospects draft, Bucks had their, one of their first um, years with a first-round pick uh, actually, the first time they had it since 2018 when they drafted <laughs> Gabe Clawson. Right. Uh, so we just highlighted Clawson as a player who really impressed me during the playoffs. Who was it before then? It was Seth Jarvis. Not bad. Who was it before then? <laughs> it was Cody Glass. Okay. Who was it before then? <laughs> Nick Patan. Like, they don't miss on first-round picks. It's been incredible. Um, and then Graham Jones now was the first-round pick, uh, 18th overall by the Hawks this past year. So another promising young player who the Winter Hawks are really looking forward to see him grow and hopefully welcome him to the organization sometime soon and, and get him to sign with the Hawks. And, um, you know, it's a player that at his level put up over 80 points during the regular season. So he's a high scoring player. Uh, I, I remember when I talked with Mike Coffin, they said how versatile he was, where he could play at the center, or he could play the wing. He could do different roles. So um, obviously that's kind of what the Hawks like to have, right? Like you get some guys that could play in different positions and different situations. So I think he's kind of the right fit for Portland. Um, and I, I did see some other WHL scouts uh, that, that kind of agreed with me when I was looking online and, and obviously enjoyed the Winterhawks draft. Uh, it was a successful one. There, there were a lot of players taken. Hawks had a lot of uh, early picks this year. So, you know, you'll, you'll realistically you'll get to see those in probably earliest two years um, into the WHL. So it's a little bit harder to keep tuned on it and be like, oh, this guy's going to be here tomorrow. Right. That's not always the case because they still probably need one more year to grow in that under 16 level before they become a full-time winter Hawk. Um, but, you know, it gives you a little glance at the future. And obviously I keep alluding to Neely Cup because that's the easiest thing to do right now. But that's where you kind of get a gauge of, oh, who, you know, who's that guy? Who's on uh, Team Hosa wearing number 42? You know, that's when the fans can kind of enjoy getting a chance to, like, look up these new prospects and, and kind of put a real person behind the name and, you know, the, what they read online. Um, so it's exciting for the future here for the Hawks. I think they got a really good pool. I know the hockey operations side and the scouting staff was very, very pleased with their draft and how it went. And obviously it's a haul because you go right from uh, playing a game, <laughs> game six on – on uh, Monday, you come back for a game seven on Tuesday. Both those end up in losses. Then you're drafting on Wednesday and Thursday. So <laughs> it was it was definitely a lot to juggle. Um, but now looking back, I think there's going to be some nice player signings probably coming in the very near future. I think Hawks fans can keep an eye out for that. And then, uh, you know, then you just kind of have your, your list. You keep an eye on them during the summer. They go through their offseason re- regiment and you focus in on you know what you can for next year. Yeah, it is funny you point out that that first round draft pick history for this organization. The scouts know what they're doing, man. They, it's always exciting to see the names because you just know the history of what those guys have turned into, not only at the WHL uh, level but now at the NHL level as well. With a lot of them, it's just it's incredible what they've been able to put together. And there's the next group and the next names that are coming up on that list. What does the off season look like for Nick Merrick? What's on your agenda this off season? You know what? Probably going to be gearing up for next year. Uh, have a nice couple vacations with my wife and family. There you go. Here during the summertime, so I'll take care of that in, in probably June and July months, just to uh, you know get that full reset. Hopefully, you and I are out there on the Lynx Golf in some time, right? Oh, absolutely, uh, <laughs> absolutely, we'll get out there and play. Uh, 
but then it's just kind of creating the buzz and keeping things going. And I'll go to the NHL draft in Montreal in July. Uh, that's something I always like to do uh, since, since I started working in the, in the industry and, and just being able to get a chance there to go there and experience that live. And then, of course, hopefully see a couple of Winterhawks names get selected there on day two of the draft. Um, so that, that's coming up in what, basically uh, a little over little over two months or maybe a little under two months, whatever. No, a little over a month. Gee, yeah. I don't even know what day it is right now. We're almost, <laughs> we're almost in June, uh, but that's July, what, 6th and 7th or 7th and 8th, something like that. So that's come up real quick. Um, yeah, that's kind of, that's uh, basically my plans. And obviously it was going to be watching some more Stanley Cup playoffs. And I definitely want to tune into the Memorial Cup because we haven't had that in three years. I'm sure I'll be tiled in again to the WHL finals, at least keeping an eye on, on what happens there of uh, – the winner of Seattle and Camus against Edmonton. Uh, but boy, how about the, uh, the Stanley Cup finals too, or, or the Stanley Cup playoffs rather. And Seth, I was watching obviously Carolina Hurricanes. I was very dialed into that because of uh, Seth and Nino and obviously Seth being a big one. And uh, Walt Ruff was there too. And he's, he's now their new, uh, you know, head team editor for, uh, for all their web content yeah. and, and kind of, trying to cheer them on and see what happens there. And boy, Seth Jarvis, we were just talking about first round picks for the Winterhawks. He was probably the best forward for Carolina. And yep. I know obviously I do have a, I do have an, I do have a biased umbrella being with the Winterhawks, but um, you know, I think if I could put that aside, I think a lot of people would probably agree that maybe if he wasn't the best forward, he was easily one of the top two. Uh, and then he, he went out in their game seven and seemed like a whole dynamic change, but that that's an absolute, <laughs> just insane what he's able to do. I think he took a, he took a hundred mile an hour slap shot to the uh, place. Nobody wants to get hit yeah, right, uh, in, right know, in the took, face, took, man. Yeah. Yes. Took a, well then took a stick right to the face <laughs> and then, uh, and then took a, you know, a clean hit, but a, a tough hit on, uh, you know, on game seven against the New York Rangers. Then, Kind of a tough visual there, but took three injuries in the series and just kept going out there every <laughs> shift and was putting on the line. So you love the energy of that guy, and, and uh, I, I hope he gets to at least enjoy some deserved off time too. Uh, but that, I was really looking forward to hopefully seeing them in the Eastern Conference Final, but obviously that's not the case. Yeah, it's it is funny how you bring up Jarvis here too because watching him in the playoffs was so fun and it almost kind of encapsulates encapsulates the entire year for Portland where you go from the start of the year everybody on their countdown to when is Seth Jarvis going to return how many more games until he's back and that was kind of the waiting game right early in the year and then you find out he's not coming back and you're like man this could be kind of a tough year you're not going to have your top score like a top ten pick in the draft coming back everybody figured he right. would be back in Hawks uniform and then for them to go on that run despite him not coming back. It just it, it kind of sums up how special of a year it was, and I know it's still painful the way they lost in the playoffs, but still such a special year to think that Jarvis is going to be there. He's not going to be there, yet you still end up you know, a game away from going to the conference finals in the West, man. It, it is wild, and it was a bummer to see him, him and Nino lose. I'm with you. I was pulling for those guys to get to the conference final. That would have been cool. I know, 100%. Well, now you get to enjoy some alumni thing. I know one from fans, uh, Joel Hofer, is still doing some uh, big things there in Springfield in the AHL Calder Cup playoffs in the uh, um, conference championship series right now. So he's one of the final four teams remaining. So keep an eye on Springfield. We'll be rooting for him. Uh, but I, I believe in terms of the, well, in the NHL and AHL playoffs, that's the only Hawk, uh, winter Hawk alum we could cheer for. And honestly, Andy, I, I'm, I'm still sounding shell shocked. I don't know if it was Memorial day weekend, just getting some nice barbecue in yesterday, but <laughs> yeah. uh, what are we now? 15, 16 days removed from, from uh, playing game seven. And it, it, it still feels weird to talk about because it still feels like we should be in the, in the thick of things. Yeah. So uh, I, I know fans realize this too, but it's as much, you know, painful in the office to, to 
have a season like this come to an end as it is for the fans because it's not something you expect. You don't want to plan for this, right? Like nobody yeah. ever plans for a season to end, but it, it has to. And um, yeah, I, I hope all the fans too, just tuning in and sticking it out for the rest of this podcast. They stay in touch, stay stay active with us, and and drop us some emails or some notes on on social. We'll get those to the right you know people and. Um, Hopefully summer goes smooth, and uh, it's crazy, though. At least the, the only good news, Andy, I will say this. At least it looks like Portland weather is starting to change. There so you go. <laughs> I, will very much, I will very much enjoy that. It is funny. And my only rooting interest left in the Stanley Cup playoffs is against Nathan McKinnon because I'm still scarred of what he did to Portland in the Memorial Cup <laughs> all those years ago, man. I still haven't talked about getting over something. I still haven't got over that. So go Connor McDavid. I'd love to see Edmonton uh, punch your ticket to a Stanley Cup final. It, it is you know, I, I, you highlighted how the Neely Cup will be here before we know it and not having fans the last couple of years, how great will, that will be. Like, that's the other part of this that I'm reminding myself of. At least it feels like we finally have a full normal offseason plan in place and yes. we're going to start next year and it's going to be like things are back to normal. I know they were at the end of this year, but it's funny to think back to where we were a year ago or where we were when the Hawks were starting this season last year and where the, you know, the fans not being allowed in and then finally being allowed in but not being in full numbers because people didn't feel comfortable. Like it's just, it'll be amazing and great. I think to go into an off season, go into the start of next year, things are back to normal. Neely cups here, go watch the prospects. Like just that aspect of it on top of the Portland weather, I think has me feeling encouraged about the off season. Oh, hundred percent. And the, I guess the last note I could add to that too, is it's going to be a very, very short off season. Cause you're thinking when the winter Hawks were still playing in around two against Seattle, I was seeing all these, you know, memories pop up from different teams and, and people I follow and, and other media members saying, Oh, this year, you know, today, uh, 10 years ago, so-and-so won the championship yeah. today, 12 years ago, somebody else won. So, uh, you know, usually it's the Memorial cup happening like now, but everything got pushed back to the COVID situation, a couple extra weeks, which is why this is going to make it a really speedy off season. Cause you think about it, I don't even know if it's a hundred days into an off season, like it, <laughs> right. it's going to feel like two months and then teams are coming back. You basically have June and July and then August they're here, you know, you're, you're gearing up for camp. So at least we, we have that to look forward to as well, that it's just going to be a fast, a fast summer and just get right back onto the ice. Amen to that, buddy. Well, Hey, I can't thank you enough for these all year. You've been awesome. I've enjoyed every single one of these conversations. I'm glad you got a couple of vacations planned for this off season. Lord knows you deserve it after all that bus travel. So go enjoy some downtime, enjoy some time with the wife at home. And before we know it, we're going to be dialing this thing back up, talking Neely cup. I cannot wait, but thanks for all year, buddy. It's been a blast. Hey, appreciate you as always. And uh, to the Hawks fans, as always, baby, go Hawks. All right. Thanks again to Nick Merrick for hopping on, not only in this episode, but every single one. It has been a joy to get to talk to him throughout the course of the season. And I know Hawks fans, it just wasn't wasn't the ending that we wanted. It was a tremendous season. You had that 3-1 series lead in the second round, feeling like this was going to be it. And I know being there at Game 5 and being there at Game 7, they were they were painful losses to suffer through. But not the ending you wanted. I think now that we've had a little time to let it settle and, and realize it's the off season, let's start looking ahead to next year. You can be appreciative of, of the season that Portland had. I mean, it's remarkable to go all the way back as Nick and I were just talking about there to think, and Seth Jarvis is going to be on this roster and then realizing, wait a minute. No, he's not. He's sticking with Carolina and the NHL this year and really not sure what this Hawks team was going to be and how they were going to come together and how they were going to play. They get off to a really slow start at the beginning of the season. 
to go from that to then winning 40 out of 47 games once the calendar hit December, it, you know, I, I know you, you mark successful seasons and the outcome of the end of the year and what you do in the playoffs, but that's a stretch in a run of hockey that I will not forget for a very long time to be that good, that consistently good for that long to climb themselves out of the hole and have it, you know, a chance at finishing with the best overall record in the West in the last week and a half of the season, a remarkable turnaround. It was a ton of fun to watch and, now I think you look towards the future of, of the benefit that you're going to have from this playoff run, and that is a lot of young guys who had to step up and play bigger roles, play different roles, and get that postseason experience for the first time in, in their WHO careers. I mean, it's one of those sad things about the COVID shortened season and the you know, two years ago and then last year not having playoffs. It's just a lot of guys that didn't have that normal growth through the system and those normal experiences that the 16, 17, 18-year-old kids would have. Now they finally got that postseason experience, and I do think down the road that's going to pay dividends for these guys, and you know Portland's going to be back and better than ever next year. But doesn't take the pain away from a loss. Still a, a ton of fun to watch this team this year in a tremendous season. Uh, just a couple of plays away from going to the conference finals, unfortunately, coming up just short. I do want to take a quick moment before I wrap up here. I know a lot of you Hawks fans, you you get to know the, the staff behind the scenes, and you've gotten to know Nick and some of the other folks involved with the organization. I'll just say I – you, you're not going to find a nicer group of people behind the scenes and who are more dedicated and hardworking uh, than the staff that they have over there, the Winterhawks headquarters. They, they do tremendous work throughout the course of the season. I'm very uh, thankful for them and all the efforts they put in and trusting me to do this podcast throughout the course of the season. It has been so much fun to put together. It's been so much fun to get a chance to talk to the players and the coaches and get you the kind of behind the scenes look at this team and the year that they had. So for all of you that have tuned in throughout the course of the season, a sincere and hearty thank you for tuning into the Portland Winterhawks podcast. Hopefully we'll get this thing dialed up and we'll get this thing rolling again next year for the Neely Cup. I'll keep you up to date on the plans on, on social media and all that. But thanks again to all of you for listening to Nick Merrick, one of the nicest guys in the entire hockey industry, broadcasting industry. I've met a lot of people over the years and he's one of the nicest ones and getting a chance to work with him on every single one of these episodes. It's been a lot of fun. So thanks again to Nick, to all the listeners, to everybody at the Hawks organization. Enjoy your off season, everybody. The Neely Cup will be here before we know it. And as always, go Hawks. Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. (laughs) Heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island 
Jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of colors starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.